Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words... Hmm. Yeah, somebody said never hurt me. Somebody said always hurt me. Here's, here's how I end that. Sticks and stones may break my bones, and bones can heal. But hearts and souls, well, may not ever heal from the words that were spoken. If you grew up in a home where the word disappointed or disappointment was used about you all the time, then you understand what I mean. Or if you've ever been in or are in now a verbally abusive relationship, you understand how painful words can be. He, he was a, a stock boy in a grocery store. He was putting the vegetables out that particular day. And this lady walked up to him and said, um, um, I live by myself. Could I just buy a half a head of lettuce? And he said, ma'am, I need to check with the manager. He started walking back to the manager. And unbeknownst to him, the woman had followed him. And he said, hey, uh, Joe, Joe was a the manager. Uh, there's this crazy lady out there. And she's like bonkers. She wants to buy half a head of lettuce. He turned around and saw her. And he said, and this fine lady here wants to buy the other half. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, words... <laughs> Words can get us into trouble, am I right? You know, in James chapter 1, if you're reading the book of James with us, we've been talking about faith works, and today we're going to talk about talking time, because we all have talking time, thousands of words every single day, and not just words this way, but words from our thumbs with texting or keyboards, emails, Facebook responses, Instagram posts, Pinterest, social media, and sometimes social media is antisocial. There's hatred and bitterness and prejudice that's spewed everywhere. It's, it's rampant in our world, especially today. And in, Genesis, uh, in James chapter 1, he says, I want you to be slow to speak but quick to listen. And now in chapter 3, he comes back again to talk about our mouths. And he really talks to us about what our mouths can do to people, what our tongue can do to people. Uh, James 3.1, he says, not many of you should be teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I want to close my Bible and walk away now, right? But this word teacher doesn't mean just a teacher in a classroom or a teacher from a pulpit. It means if you have influence over anyone, if you're a parent, if you're a parent, how many parents? How many grandparents? Ah, oh, Wow. See, we will be judged more strictly because of the words we speak to the next generations. Uh, next week, we're going to pray over our teachers and educators. We're just going to have them stand up. And, and I would encourage you, as school gets ready to start again, that you simply pray for the school nearest your house. And what would it be like if this entire school year, you just prayed every day for the administrators and the educators in the school what if you prayed for the safety of those children to and from school and then on the campus? And what if you prayed for those teachers who are in the classroom day in and day out who will be more strictly judged than the average person, right? But we need to be careful with our, our words. We must guard our words. And in verses 2 and 5, he says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, 
Now, how many are perfect here? If you raise your hand, you just became imperfect right there, right? <laughs> how many are perfect? See, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey, uh, we turn uh, the whole animal with just a bit. Just think about that. A 3,000-pound animal can be turned by a 95-pound jockey on its back because of the bit and, and the bridle. It's amazing to me. And then he says, or take ships as an example. Although they are large and they are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. What he's telling us here is our tongue, like the bit and bridle, and like the rudder, determine the destination of our lives. You know, with our tongues, we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, Romans 10, and we are saved. With our tongue, we can bless or we can curse. We can tear down or we can build up. We can affirm or we can cut to the quick somebody just with the words. And we know that God can sometimes take years to build a positive heart for somebody, somebody that may have been insecure all their lives and God's working on them to be secure in who they are in Christ and we come along with a cynicism or a sarcastic word or a cutting word and we can tear down in seconds what God has taken years to build. The massive ship is controlled in the wheelhouse or the helm by the, by the captain and oftentimes the rudder is one one thousandth of the size of the ship, and it can make that ship just turn exactly where uh, the, the captain wants it to go. So would you write this down? Words, like that rudder, words steer your life. They steer your life. They tell us that you will spend one-fifth of your life talking. Now, if your name is Bernie, it's going to be about one-half of your life, right? <laughs> In one year, your conversations will fill 66 books of 800 pages. 66 books. If you're a man, you will speak an average of 20,000 words a day. If you're a woman, <laughs> I'm just reading, 30, 40, or up to 50,000 words a day. Like the guy who was asked, do you resent that your wife always gets the last word? He replied, no, I'm just finally glad she gets to it. <laughs> Don't blame me now, okay? Hey, words are interesting, right? They determine where we end up. With words, you share your feelings. With words, you do an interview, you get a job, or maybe you're on a, a part of an oral panel that reviews you and listens to your words. With words, you build intimacy, you build trust, you build friendships, you build community. With word, words, you establish a family culture, rules of your house, with your words. When you're, when you're young, your words can build relations with your parents. With your words, you can praise God for how grateful you are to him and and, and with your words, you can let it be known that you serve and follow God. Your words can get you in trouble, can they not? Your words can get you a date if you're single, or your words can keep you from getting a date if you're single. Your words may have gotten you out of a ticket. Anybody here? Come on. Yeah, gotten you out of a ticket. Or your words may have actually gotten you into a ticket 
when you were disrespectful to the officer who pulled you over. Yeah. Uh, your words are used to pop a question. Will you marry me? And your words can be used. Come on, ladies. Your words can be used to be the answer or not. Yes or no way, creep. Uh, your words matter. Your words impact. Your words impact our lives. They impact our lives personally as we speak them. And notice what he says in James 3, 5 to 7. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a what? By a small spark. Now he goes from the metaphor of the bit and the bridle to the rudder to a forest fire. Uh, we are not strangers to fires. Uh, last year we had the Tubbs fire up north, the Nuns fire, the Atlas fire, the Thomas fire down south, the Rye fire, the Car fire, and we still have fires in California that are burning and some are still out of control. They tell us that this will probably be the worst fire season we've had in over 100 years. Now, I've been hearing that for the last seven or eight years, haven't you? And guess what? They're right. They're right. There's a lot of dryness out there. We had a few rains, stuff started to grow, and now it's extremely, extremely dry. Then we get winds. We also know about fires that can start with a chain that's dragged by a car or a truck that's pulling a trailer, just the chain, just a little spark. And all of a sudden, we have Mission Hills worried about fires coming in. We had, a, uh, for, for some hours, we had, you know, La Prisa Mission. Uh, we were concerned about it being overtaken by the fires, and we, we thank God for the fire crews that work so diligently and air attack and all of that. But have you noticed when you speak a word to somebody and it's cutting and it's hurtful, I've done it, you've done it, and it's, there's no air attack, doesn't come down. Uh, there's no drop. There's no fos check for your words. And sometimes those words just penetrate people's hearts. We all love to, to be around fires. I'm sure maybe you have a fire pit. Anybody have a fire pit? Anybody have a fireplace? Come on. We like fire when it's in its place. We like fire in the barbecue. It's good for our meat. It tastes good. Grill your veggies if you're a vegetarian over the fire. That's really good. You know, chestnuts roasting. Come on. Open fire. We like marshmallows and s'mores. There's something about s'mores when you're out camping and s'mores. And some of you are hotel campers. You don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, words impact the lives of others. They really do. But James is so clear. He says, you know, if you're not careful, the words that you speak can set, set hell into motion. And he uses the word, um, when he talks about hell, it's, it's the word Gehenna. And you have to understand that James is writing this book from Jerusalem. He's a half-brother of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's telling him what to write. And he's writing about some hellish work of the, of the tongue. And he's thinking of just outside of Jerusalem was the valley of Gehenna. It was the valley of death. And uh, they would take dead bodies and put them out there. They would take the trash, they didn't have a landfill, they would just take the trash and they would park it near their dead bodies and they would set it ablaze to consume it. And James is saying, if you're not careful, this little small member of your body can be used by hell to speak words of hell to people and set them on hellish fire or actually cause death to come to them. And the scriptures tell us that with this tongue we have the power of life and death, bless and curse. Proverbs 21, 23. Let, let's read this together. Ready? Go. If you want to stay out of trouble, 
Come on now. If you're a parent, tell your kid this. Be careful what you say. James goes on to say in chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, that all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Isn't that interesting? What do you mean we can't tame the tongue? Well, we can't by ourselves. It is restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. Does anybody know anybody who has deadly poison come out of this? Come on. You, you probably know somebody. And you probably run for your life when you see them come because you, you know what they're going to say. No man or woman can tame the tongue, yet it can be bought and brought under the power and control of the Holy Spirit. We might say that God himself is mightier than the human tongue. And God knows a lot about speaking words. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But he says here in verse 9 and 10, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. Isn't it interesting? Lord creator, we bless you. And then we curse his creation. Huh? A few weeks ago we talked about favoritism, we talked about prejudice, how people could just speak ill of somebody else because they're a different color than them, or they vote differently than them, or they live in a different part of the community than them, or they have more money or less money. And it's interesting how we can speak ill of people that God created, and with one part of our mouth, bless you, creator, and the other part, curse his creation. Are you already with me? Uh, speak ill of somebody or shut them down. But out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Our words will either bless the Lord and Father, or we curse those who were made in the likeness of God. And I think when we curse people, I think when we speak ill of people, I think when we tear people down with our words, God who made them cringes and says, do you know who that is you're talking to? Years ago, there was a man, and, and uh, he was mistreating his wife, and his wife came to talk to me, and, and she wanted me to go beat him up. I, I, I'm nonviolent. I got some brothers in the church, though, that give him a tune-up, but, uh, you know, lay hands on him, lay hands on him, you know. And, no, I'm not violent. I'm not, I'm not even like saying we should go be violent. But she was asking if there was anything I, I could do. And I simply talked to them. They walked into church, and, and I could see. And then and, and after church, we were outside in the parking lot. And I just said, hey, can I ask you a question? How are you treating your wife? Oh, man, I'm, I'm God's gift to woman. I'm awesome, you know. And she's going, no, no. And I just simply said, I just have one thing to tell you. Do you believe that Jesus died for us? Yeah, yeah. I said, Jesus died for your wife. While he was on the cross, he was dying for her. And, and, and then he speaks words like this to the Apostle Paul. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I'm sure, sir, that you're loving your wife just like Jesus, sacrificially. And you're speaking kind to her. Man, he felt like this big. You know, have a nice day. Go love your wife, you know, kind of thing. He actually came back to church. He still goes here. I thought, wow, that was a good day, you know. Let me take you through a quick process. The first book of the Bible, I'm just going to kind of give you a 35,000 foot view here. The first book of the Bible starts this way. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Yeah. So in Genesis chapter 1, when you read it, it's, it's kind of a poetic summary of what God did in creation. Seven days. 
Each day begins with this phrase, and God said, and God said. And during the first three days, God speaks, and, and with his words, he creates the day and the night, and on day two, he speaks again and brings into being this, this dome called the sky. And on day three, he speaks, and his words create the land and the sea. And th this is really important, because notice what happens when he speaks on the next three days, days four, five, and six. With each corresponding day, God fills the void with his voice. God fills the sea. God fills the air. And eventually, God fills the land. And then God creates humankind. He fills the sun and the moon in. He fills the birds in. He fills the living creatures in. And these words were intended to tell us something very true about the character and the nature of God. It's what we see when we read it through this lens, and you can write it down. When God speaks, his words fill the voids. Uh, you've heard it said, no doubt, that everybody is created with a God-filled void or a God-filled vacuum in their heart. And it's the word of God, the, the, the truth of God, the gospel of God, the written words that the Holy Spirit has given us in the Holy Bible, to follow after God that fill the void inside of our soul. I think people are looking for filling their void in their soul with all kinds of things and relationships and, and addictions and you name it. But when God speaks a word into your soul that you're my beloved son or my beloved daughter, it transforms us from the inside out. A.W. Tozer said it this way, the word of God is the breath of God filling the word, uh, world rather, with living potentiality. But interesting to note, that's the word of God that set a chain reaction of blessing. But then in Genesis 3, a different kind of chain reaction happens as the serpent uses words to deceive Adam and Eve. He comes and convinces the man and the woman to eat of the tree because somehow God's withholding from them, claiming that it would be best for them to eat. And in reality, his words caused death to enter into the human race. You talk about a chain reaction. From, from there, the woman uses her words to deceive the man, and then the man uses his words to blame the woman. It doesn't end there. <laughs> Both of these stories, the story of the blessing and the story of the curse, continue on to this day, and they take deep root in our humanity, in our life, yours and mine. And the chilling part, good chills, is the fact that whenever God spoke, he spoke life. And whenever God spoke, well, let me say it this way. John's gospel starts, in the beginning was the word, and the, the word was with God, and the word, the word was God. And Jesus says, I am the living word. So when God is speaking, let there be light. Guess who he's speaking? Out of his mouth comes Jesus. The word is Jesus. Because Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And when he's speaking life, Jesus says, I am life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So whenever we speak, catch this, this is a good lesson. Whenever we speak a blessing to someone, we're actually speaking Jesus to them. And we're filling the voids in their hearts or in their, in their lives. We're filling the little holes. We're, we're filling in something that somehow had been... been, been been a death speak to them or a hellish speak to them when, when maybe a parent said, you'll never be anything, or I'm always disappointed with you, or you're not good enough. 
Or maybe they went through a horrible divorce and, and, and during mediation or even in divorce court, just horrible words were spoken. Maybe they were product of a, of a divorce home and they just never feel much value. But when you say to them, man, I see great things in your life. I see promise for you. Wow, you're doing a great job. What a difference that you're making. You see, these wonderful musicians, they, they, don't, they don't need my affirmation, but I sure love giving it to them. I sure love encouraging them. This uh, worship leader we had last week, uh, Jire, uh, he's writing new songs, that song that he taught us about the faithfulness of God. So we got to spend some time together. I said, you know, Jire, you have a great, great gift. You know, he works in uh, aerospace and, and uh, fabricates parts and does that kind of stuff. I said, you know what? You have a great gift. And he put his head up. I, just, I watched him raise his head. I said, don't you let anybody tell you you don't. Man, you're amazing. This last week, um, we had the privilege, uh, some of us from the, the Scott, Pastor Scott and, and Tyler and, and Mason uh, and myself, we went up to Cabrillo. We uh, fed the football team, the basketball team, the girls cross country, and the girls uh, tennis we asked them if we could come up there. And so we served them hot dogs and, and hamburgers barbecued on the grill and, and salad for those people that are watching, you know, what they eat. Not too many salad takers, I have much sad. And then chips and ice cream and water and, and everything. I mean, it was just so great. And the coach, I was so impressed with the, the, the Cabrillo coach, A.J. Pateras. He said uh, to his players, he said, guys, I know we got two days going on, but we let the ladies go first. I thought, that's impressive. So all the ladies came. Well, let me tell you, they came. They ate, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and then at the end, he said, I want you to, to all line up and go through the line, and I want you to shake the hands of those men that provided you with lunch and thank each one of them. I just, it was so great. And, and we, hey, guys, have a great year. Have a great season. You're going to get after it. You know, I'm talking football talk, you know, best I can. I don't know much about football, but enough to know. You got to get after it. And they're in two-a-days. They're getting ready. August 17th, they have their first game. They're going to play down at Santa Barbara City College. Big game, new season, some new players. And, and, but it was so encouraging to be able to tell them, you go for it, guys. You know, and, and we know they've not had the best seasons in the past. We, we know that if you're a follower of high school football. But we got to bless them and encourage them. You should have seen their heads. And we came out to give them a free lunch. And you should have seen how grateful they were. I mean, I know a lot of people think, ah, they're all entitled. These kids were not feeling entitled. Their coach was not leading them to entitlement, but to blessing and to encouragement. See, James 3, 6 says, the tongue corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of, of one's life on fire and itself is set on fire by hell. Are you kidding me? We don't want to be a part of that, right? We want to speak words of heaven to people. Somebody says, give them hell. I say, give them heaven. Is that all right? Okay, give them heaven. That's what we're going to do. All right. James 3.11 says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? In other words, you could paint the pump, redo it, sandblast it, and repaint it. But if the water inside of it is rancid and toxic, you haven't changed anything. You could paint the car, let me say it a different way, if the motor is blown and you paint the car, you'll have a shiny car, but you still have a blown motor, and we need a transformation from the inside out. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34? He says, for out of the overflow of the heart, come on, the mouth speaks. If you want to know what's inside someone's heart, just listen. I didn't mean to say that. 
I know you didn't. But it's transparent from your heart. Now, there's a bad thing when that happens. When somebody just spews venom out of their heart, that's a bad thing, right? But there's also a good thing. Let me tell you what the good thing is. Here's, here's a Pastor B trick. I'm going to let you in on a secret. If you listen long enough to someone, you'll hear everything inside their soul. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. And you could say, oh my gosh, toxic, right? Or you can respond you know, to them out of your pain or react, if there was even a worse word, react to them out of your anguish for what they said. But if you listen, you could stop, take what they said, take a moment, take a breather, right? And pray. And then ask God, Lord, how would you have me minister to them? How would you have me speak words of blessing? How would you have me speak Jesus to them? Oh, okay. So, a few days later, after you hear this spew of stuff, you go to them and you say, you know, here's what I heard you say the other day. Yeah, what about it? Right? Come on. Come on. Yeah, but I heard the pain in what you said. I listened for your pain, and I heard it. See, if you listen, you'll hear their pain, you'll hear their, their problem, you'll hear their perspective, you'll hear how they, they process life. And God can use you to speak to them because, what, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you heard it. Lord, how can I minister to them? How can I? You, you'll be surprised. There was a young man not too long ago. We, we were out with a group of us. I was hanging out with some guys, and, and uh, this guy was just spewing venom, just venom. Everything's bad. You know, the world's terrible. Everybody, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll eat some worms, that kind of mentality. And, and it was interesting that a few days later, I encountered him again, and I said, tell me your story. No, tell me your story. Well, it wasn't long before that he had put his mom into the convalescent center because of her Alzheimer's. And it wasn't about six months before that his father had died, and he was having financial problems. And all of that culminated in his heart being hurt and becoming bitter and so what was coming out of his heart was his pain, his problems, his perspective of life. And I just stopped and I said, man, I heard a lot of pain coming out of your voice. I know I was risking it, but I was leaning into him trying to see if there was any way that I could minister to him. I challenge you to listen carefully. And before you become critical, ask God if there's not a proper way to respond to that person's pain and what they're going through. My tongue directs where I go. It can destroy what I have, but most of all, it simply displays what I am. Now you're looking at your notes and you're freaking out and you're going, it's already five after 12 and he's never going to get done, but let's get the pen out. Two more minutes, we'll be out of here. All right, number one, allow my heart to be continually renewed. You want to get a transforming work in the way that you talk Allow my heart to be continually renewed. Ezekiel 18.31 says, rid yourselves of all offenses that you've committed and get a, what kind of heart? Come on, a new heart and a new spirit. In other words, stop being offended. We teach you around here that we shouldn't take offense. Let's say this notebook is the offense. Somebody did something, right? Well, listen, you have an option. You can take it or you can leave it. Just leave it there and walk away. 
Woo! It's so freeing to do that. Well, I have a reason to be offended. Well, go right, go right ahead. But after a while, you'll accumulate all that. It'll be a part of your heart. And pretty soon, you'll speak things out of your mouth that you didn't intend to say. But allow God to transform you and continually renew you. Uh, the second thing is align my heart with God's ways. Psalm 1914, a great prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be what? Acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, and may it be acceptable to you. And then notice what he said. This is where I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand on the fact that God is my rock and my redeemer. I want to uh, take you to the third point real quick. Thank you, Paul, for racing ahead with me. Number three, ask God for help when? Every, every, every day. Yeah. Every day. I'm going to give you, free with the price of admission, almost at the total conclusion of the sermon, a very important verse, Psalm 141.3. And let, let's read it with our best. He's almost done voice. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, keep Listen, do you know what the psalmist says? Your, your lips have a door on them. Well, let me tell you what I remember. I want to give you a piece of my... You know what I think about... Wouldn't it be great if we could see these big, tall, 14-foot doors that just close it? Lord, keep a watch over the door of my lips. I, I need a guard at the door with a bazooka. I need a guard at the door with, with, a, right? with a fully automatic weapon. I need a, I need a warhead. Because uh, see, Lord, if, if I don't have a warhead right here, I'm about to speak some words to someone's forehead. Come on. And it's going to create a problem. So, Lord, if I start to go off course today, would you please help me and let the... Okay, good, got it. Some of you are saying, I wish he'd go right now and we'd be done. But I have to tell you a story and then we're going to say amen, okay? Rabbi Weiser, there he is. In 1991, he moves to Lincoln, Nebraska with his wife and his five children to be the rabbi of a synagogue. The day after they moved in, the, the phone rang. And the person on the other end said, um, Jew boy, we don't want you in our city, you scum. Leave now or else, click. And day after day, either as he answered the phone or on his voicemail, back in the day it was a recorder, remember? He would hear the words of a man speak evil to him who finally identified himself as the grand dragon of the KKK. A box came to his house filled with anti-Semitic material and death threats. And pretty soon Rabbi Weiser realized that it was a guy by the name of Larry Trapp. And so he got Larry Trapp's number. And he left a voicemail of his own. Larry, Rabbi Weiser here. There's a lot of love in our world. It seems like you're not getting any. But I'm here for you if you ever want my help, click. Every three days, Rabbi Weiser called Larry Trapp. And every few days, Larry Trapp left some kind of horrible message or mailed some kind of horrible letter to Rabbi Weiser. Rabbi Weiser found out that Larry Trapp 
had severe diabetes, actually had both of his legs amputated. And so Rabbi Weiser called up Larry and said, hey, Larry, I hear you might need a ride every once in a while at the grocery store. Be my honor to pick you up and help you shop. No response. But finally one night, late in the night, Rabbi Weiser's phone rang. He picked it up. He said, Rabbi, this is Larry. I want to get out of my Ku Klux Klan. I want to change my family. I actually want to change my story. Can you help me? And so they began to meet together. Actually, Larry started attending the synagogue and learning about the God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, reading the Old Testament and learning about God's love. Yeah, yeah. And you know what happened? When Larry got really ill, the Weissers took them in, took Larry into their house, and he and his wife took care of Larry trapped. And at Larry's funeral, they preached about the love of God and the power of love in the tongue. And his tombstone, there was no grand dragon, no KKK symbol, star of David, and in Hebrew, the words of blessing, Lawrence Roger Trapp. And in 1992, when he passed away, he passed away surrounded by people who loved him and shared the love of God with him simply because Rabbi Weiser called and left some really, really heavenly messages on his phone. I want you to think about who might be a Larry in your life. You got one? <laughs> you got somebody who's a thorn in your side? Huh? Someone who's a nail in your shoe? Come on. You got somebody who's sandpaper on your soft, rosy cheeks? You know who they are. Just think about words of love and grace that you could speak to them. It's easy. It's easy to let your mouth be a mouth that would set ablaze the fires of hell. But it's so far much better if our lives are used to speak words of love and life and encouragement. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.